we paint the picture to our employees, when we tell them we caught this person doing this, their faces, it, it's like disbelief. Like, really? Somebody that works here tried to steal my work? This is a Security Weekly production. Security Weekly is a resource of Cyber Risk Alliance. The Cybersecurity Collaborative, in conjunction with Cyber Reason, is proud to present CISO Stories. Each week, CISO Stories takes a deep dive on security leadership. The Cybersecurity Collaborative is a unique membership community enabling cybersecurity leaders to work together in a trusted environment. To learn more, visit securityweekly.com CSC. I am your host, Todd Fitzgerald, and this week we welcome Don Capelli, Global Security and Chief Information Security Officer at Rockwell Automation. Well, I started out as a software engineer programming nuclear power plants for Westinghouse. So very, believe it or not, they weren't even thinking about cybersecurity. Scary. Um, But then I went to Carnegie Mellon University to the Software Engineering Institute and still was a software engineer, but became interested in security because I was working on um, a system for the Center for Disease control and the Pennsylvania Department of Health and it was a prototype for an online web portal for response to a bioterrorism attack. Very interesting back in like the late 90s and in the late 90s nobody thought about cybersecurity. and it occurred to me that if we would ever really use this kind of a, this prototype we should think about security and cert the very first cybersecurity organization in the world is at carnegie mellon university so perfect opportunity for me to move into there and learn cybersecurity. So, yeah, not planned, <laughs> mm-hmm. just kind of happened to go there. Um, and then uh, I became in- interested in insider risk. Um, my first job at CERT was working with the Secret Service to protect large national special security events from potential cyber attacks. Um, back then, the Secret Service was gates, guns, guards. It was all physical security, and they knew that they had to incorporate cyber. So I took the job in CERT August 1st, 2001, thinking this is the coolest job ever. I get to work with the Secret Service. The first thing we had to protect was the Salt Lake City Olympics. You didn't have to carry a gun. No, no, no. (laughs) And I knew nothing about security. I thought this is the coolest thing. I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. And then 9-11 happened one month later. And that fun, cool job became very serious. And we realized that insider threats could be an issue with the the Olympics. Um, So I started, I took the insider threat piece, ended up doing research, created the CERT Insider Threat Center, and um, did that for 13 years until I went to Rockwell Automation to build their insider risk program. Um, which was great, it was fun, it was new. Companies in the private sector didn't really have insider threat programs back then. 
and then our CISO left and I took his place. So a very twisty, curvy mm -hmm. career path, not planned <laughs> at all. Very, very interesting. And I think it's insider threats are something that I, I think are still a gap in a lot of organizations. And I know you've been focused on it and, and you're building out the programs. So what, what surprised you in your research uh, you know, that you were looking at when you're looking at insider threats? Well, when we started working with the Secret Service, we didn't really know where to start. At that point, the attitude was, what can you do? They're inside the company, they have access, there is no way you'll ever stop them. And we were fortunate to find, we figured, well, let's just collect real cases and see what's happened in the past and make sure that can't happen. That's a good place to start in protecting the Olympics because we only had four months. So that's where we started, but then we thought, okay, now let's take a step back and look at all of those cases and look for patterns and see if there is any way that we could prevent or detect these things. And we surprisingly found there were very distinct patterns in the cases. And so once we did that, we could come up with mitigation strategies. So that was very surprising and very exciting. What sort of patterns emerged? Well, um, at, at first we just looked at them all, all the cases, and we didn't really see a pattern. But then we looked by type of insider threat, and that's when we saw, okay, theft of intellectual property. Most people, like 85% of the people that steal intellectual property from their employer, do it within 30 to 90 days of resignation or when they leave the company. So they know, they know that they're gonna leave. Really. Yeah, and before they leave, they take the information. So now, like with UEBA tools, knowing that, um, we at Rockwell, we can pull in termination dates from, our, from SAP and combine that with all of the online activity that's happening in the company and we can easily detect, okay, this person, is leaving, They're, they have a resignation, a termination date set, they took a bunch of information on a USB drive or from SharePoint or OneDrive or email or however, and then we can just immediately react and get that information back. Sabotage, very different. Cyber sabotage, the pattern is that you have a person who, number one, they just don't get along well with people. Most um, people will not cross that ethical line and actually take action to cause harm to a person or to a company. But these people have what psychologists call personal predispositions, which means they don't get along well with people, they think they're above the rules, you have to walk on eggshells around them. So that's the kind of person that will do it. But they can work for you for years. There are a lot of those kinds of people in, in life. They can work there for years and be fine, but then something happens to set them off. So it can be that there's a layoff, or they get a new boss they don't like, or they don't get the raise they expected. That sets them off. And now because of those personal predispositions, they can't help it. Everyone knows how angry they are. They get worse and worse over time as they're taking technical action to set up their attack. So again, if you understand those patterns and what to look for, 
then you can catch these things before they actually how do you, how do you identify those type of people that that are going to snap at some point and, and do some damage so insert in our research we called it we we found that people were on the hr radar that's the term that we used because these behaviors got bad enough that their managers went to hr and said look i need help i need to fire this person demote them reprimand them we need to do something about this person and so that to me is the key what we do at Rockwell is our insider risk program, the executive sponsor is the SVP of human resources. And so our entire HR staff is trained in insider risk. They have mandatory training they have to take every year, refresher training, because there are eyes and ears across the entire world. We're in more than 100 countries. We have HR that is responsible for all of those people. So if a manager comes to them and they see the pattern, HR is the one that recognizes the pattern and then comes to the insider risk team. Now technology is improved as well. So um, if we see someone, for instance, who downloads a hacking tool, the CSERT will tell the insider risk team and then the insider risk team will investigate and say, hey, talk to the manager. Should, sh did that person need a hacking tool to do their job? You know, if it's a developer and they need to hack their own product to make sure it's secure, then okay, that makes sense. But um, so now we have technical indicators and behavioral indicators that can both trigger an investigation. So what sort of communication do you have with the employees in the, in the workforce that, that now know that you're looking at the insider threat? Yeah, they know. <laughs> We're very transparent. Um, I would much rather deter than detect. So everyone knows it's part of our, we, we customize our off the shelf security awareness training so that we add in a component on in, insider risk. And everyone knows if you copy information to a USB drive, to cloud, email it out, we don't tell them everything we're looking at, but we're gonna see that. And so if you aren't supposed to do it, don't do it. And from a sabotage perspective, we just tell people if, if you see something, say something. If you have a coworker that is really concerning you, if you see any kind of suspicious behavior, you need to tell your manager or HR and then they'll take care of it. Did you see a drop in activity after you started that kind of training? Yes, yes. We have seen our number, we, we hate to even say theft of IP, we call them IP recovery because what we find is first of all most of the people that we do find taking IP they aren't doing it maliciously. <laughs> they don't really even know it's against the rules or um, they want to back up their work. They they just don't trust the IT backups and they want to put it on a USB drive in case they would lose you know, the information. Um, but yes, we've seen that number of IP recovery cases reduce over the years consistently because, you know, word gets around. We catch things. And when we catch things, we do tell people if we have um, some serious IP recovery cases, we tell people because people need to know this is real. This happens here. This happens everywhere. 
The article this podcast is based upon can be viewed in the best-selling cybersecurity leadership book, CISO Compass, Navigating Cybersecurity Leadership Challenges with Insights from Pioneers, available at Amazon.com and other booksellers. So do you genericize it then without identifying the yes. individuals? Yes, yes, yes. We, we don't say what country, we don't say, we'll say what kind of a position the person held. We'll talk about the kind of information that they tried to take. But yeah, we, we don't, we, we definitely anonymize it. We're not out to embarrass people. So how do you decide where the threshold is when somebody should be terminated for doing something like that versus it was a innocent thing. that is really up to hr and the manager so we always involve them in any investigation we do um, sometimes the manager will say yeah you know what that person's leaving the company but i told him to transfer all of his information to his co-worker so that's why he put it on the usb drive okay fine um done deal case closed but then we have other cases where the manager is very concerned it's restricted data that person had no reason to be copying that then that person might be terminated so it's really up to hr and the manager to decide do you have different uh, uh people in the workforce that, that you've decided just don't need any ability to copy out to a usb yes. or do you still allow that we only the people that need that access have that access so yeah we we have definitely locked that down and you know i i, I it sounds like this is coming across as a negative thing but we we paint the picture to our employees when we tell them we caught this person doing this their faces it, it's like disbelief like really somebody that works here tried to steal my work and, you know so we we really work hard to say we're the good guys the insider risk program we're not out to get people and if we find someone who they they didn't know what they were doing was wrong fine you're not fired you're there's no repercussions just give us the information back um, but in the cases where there is malicious intent, we are helping, we're, we're saving our employees' work. Nobody wants to have the, someone take that to a competitor. Are there ways to determine what's malicious and what's not malicious intent? Well, a lot of that comes down to the interview with the employee <laughs> and, and where they're going. If they're leaving to go to a competitor, then uh, that doesn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> and they just happen to have a customer list or yeah, designs. Yeah, yeah, um, So a lot of it is just investigation, you know, trying to talk to the person and figure out, are they telling the truth? Do they deny it? Yes, they always deny it. <laughs> um, but, but a lot of it is just really talking to them and trying to figure out what's going on here. So, uh, in terms of like resources to set up a program like this, is it is it a lot of effort? Is it you know? Well, here's how I got started. I went to Rockwell, and back then there were no UEBA tools or anything. And so I just said, I'm going to do a pilot. I just want to pick one team in the company and I'll get their HR person on board that if anyone's leaving the company, she'll let me know. And 
I got I went to IT and I said if I come to you with a person's name can you give me their last 90 days of USB activity let's just start with that and they said yes we can do that so I went to legal and I got them to approve here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna do it consistently I'm not picking on some people it's just this team if anyone leaves, I'm going to get this report and we'll see what happens. And they said, fine. I said, okay, I'll do that for six months and then I'll figure out a financial model and we'll figure out how we're going to do this. Well, a week later, and in the meantime, I was training HR. A week later, an HR person came to me and she said, I know that I'm not in the pilot, but we just had four engineers quit over the course of two weeks. They started their own business, and now they actually are taking one of our big customers away from us because one of them was embedded at the customer. That's who they knew. They didn't. They, they wanted to stick with this guy. And she said, there is no way they could be competing with us unless they took our IP. And this business had worked six years and spent millions of dollars building up this intellectual property for this business. So I went to legal and I said, I know they're not in the pilot, but can I get IT to run the reports for these four people? And they said, yeah, go ahead. Well, guess what? They each had taken thousands of files on USB drives and that's how they were able to compete with us. So boom, pilot over after one week, <laughs> pilot over and you're just you're global you go global <laughs> with one person so i just did what i could and then as time went on i got another half a person and then i got the other half of that person got the ueba tool and so now at this point ueba tools have really matured to the point where you can rely on the technology for a lot so you don't need a big huge staff what you need is you need to pull all the data into this UEBA tool. You need to create risk models. Like we know if people have a termination date and they have activity and what we do is like we will, we, we know what um, file extensions we should trigger a higher alert, what some of the um, keywords are that should trigger a higher alert. And so we have these risk models built. So our one of our analysts just comes in every day, gets in the tool, start at the top of the list with the highest risk score in the company, and just start digging in and investigating. What, what kind of file extensions did you find were... Well, for us, source code is our big thing. Okay. Um, we actually now have a secure development environment where we, you know, we have extra protections around our source code, and we now use DLP to block. So any any source code coming out of our source code repositories cannot possibly be be copied so the off. Insider Threat Program showed you some other protections that you need to put in place. Right. Right. Uh, were there any others besides? <coughs> The, the DLP and, and the source code repositories uh, that were put in place? Well, like you said, locking down USB drives. A lot of it really is employee communication. You know, it, it, these are still people. <laughs> and so um, you need to get the word out. Absolutely. Very good. So what, what sort of tips would you have to somebody that's thinking about the need for an insider threat program and how to how to approach getting you know getting the buy-in for that in their company very easy i have 
given this advice to many people and it always works. <laughs> Here's what you need to do. Go to your HR department and find out, just give me a list of people that have left the company in the last 30 days that have access to our critical IP. Then go to IT with that list and say, run me a report of all of their USB activity, movement of data to cloud, downloads from SharePoint and OneDrive, whatever data sources you have and see what they did. And from what I hear, most people have the aha moment and now it's too late, but you can, that definitely is what you need to get buy-in. Absolutely. Well, this has been a pleasure, Don. Uh, great tips. Uh, you've obviously been working with insider threats for a long time, and I really appreciate your contribution uh, to the CISO Compass book. Uh, just, just to give people that idea that, you know, if this is something they're not doing in their environments, uh, it's a piece of security that's very important. I think you, you've proven that out over and over again. It's happening in our environments and something that needs to be fixed. Yeah, actually, um, when I went to Rockwell, I started an insider threat information sharing group along with a colleague from Bank of America. So we started this group and there were five of us <laughs> because in the private sector, companies didn't really have insider threat programs. The government did. Um, defense, you know, defense because of spies, they had counter uh, um, counterintelligence programs, but the rest of the private sector didn't. That group grew so large, hundreds of people, that I had to turn it back over to CERT to run it because it got too big for me to do in my spare time. So that just goes to show that if a company doesn't have an insider risk program, they really should think about having one because it is becoming more and more best practice. And wasn't it always that we, we just want to trust our employees, mm -hmm. so we're afraid to say, oh, we can't be... Yeah. treating them that way because we want to trust them so it's kind of kind yeah. of difficult right messaging is really important and that's why we call it insider risk not insider threat if you have an insider threat program you are implying that your employees are threats if it's an insider risk program it's just another risk we have lots of risks that we have to look at in the company this is just another one of them it's a risk that somebody could do this and it's not that we think everybody's bad it's just that we know statistics show that there there are bad apples everywhere unfortunately and you don't want it to happen to you yeah well this has been very informative i i know i learned a lot so i appreciate you taking the time don well thanks for doing this thank you for pulling all of us together <laughs> no problem it's all about collaboration yes CyberEason is the champion for today's defenders, providing an endpoint security platform to prevent, detect, and respond to malicious operations on computers, mobile devices, servers, and the cloud. CyberEason, end cyber attacks from endpoints to the enterprise to everywhere. Learn more at cyberreason.com slash CISO stories.